Last week, we talked about racial reconciliation. Today, I'm going to continue along that line, so I'm going to review some of the thoughts that I gave you last week. And so we're going to begin in John chapter 4, where Jesus is actually meeting with a woman at a well. And uh, in verse 7 of John 4, it says there there was a woman uh, that came where Jesus was by the uh, well, and he asked her for a drink of water. And in verse 9, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, whom a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So in this culture, in this society, this is prejudice that is occurring. And so uh, she was somewhat taken back by Jesus even asking her for a drink of water. And she said, how is it that you being a Jew would ask a drink of water of me, who am a woman of Samaria? <coughs> well, Jesus was not moved by that. So obviously he wanted to break down some barriers. Jesus did everything on purpose. He wanted to share the love of God and the life of God with her, but he wanted to break some barriers. All right, so Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. In other words, if you knew who I am, now Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. He is the Messiah. Hallelujah. He is the Word made flesh. So he is somebody. And uh, he didn't tell her all that, but he said, if you knew who I was, you would ask of me, and I would give you living water. Well, he uses this well situation to start a, a, a witnessing tool to her. He used that illustration as a way of saying, uh, if you knew how it was, you'd ask me for a drink of water. I would give you living water. She's like, okay. The woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence then hast thou that living water. <coughs> she knows he doesn't have it in his pocket. <laughs> right? Like, and she's thinking, naturally, where are you going to get this water from? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, and who, who, which gave us a well and drank thereof himself and his children, his cattle? Are you greater than Jacob? Uh, he didn't say, yeah. But he was. I just said who he was. He was God manifest in the flesh. He was the Christ, the son of the living God. He was Jesus Christ. He was the Messiah. Hallelujah. So he is greater than Jacob. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Because if you drink of this water today, you're going to need to come back tomorrow and get some more water. The next day, depending on how much water you take away. But... Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, 
but the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Hallelujah. So he shall have, or she shall have a well of water springing up into everlasting life, and it's going to be in you. In other words, you're, gonna, you're not going to have to come here to get this water. You're going to carry this water with you everywhere you go. You're sleeping, you got this water in you. You wake up, you got this water in you. Praise the Lord. And so there's this well of water that's on the inside of you. When you go to work, you got this well of water on the inside of you. So we had a little more conversation in the room when uh, J.J. greeted um, Ty with a, Minister Ty with a good morning. He said, good morning. And she was like, kind of like that woman at the well, like, okay. You can tone it down a little bit. Praise the Lord. She's a late night person. You know, some people are early morning people. Some people are late night people. So anyway. He said, good morning. <laughs> She's like, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm still waking up. Well, then we had some other conversation, and Jay said, at work, you know, people say, you're always smiling. <laughs> he said, uh, try it. <laughs> try it. You'll like it. <laughs> where he works, I won't tell you where he works. But anyway, where he works, he's, he says there's a lot of negativity. And so he deals with a lot of negativity with the clientele and so forth. So, <laughs> so but he's talking to his coworker. He said, try it. You'll like it. That's like, try Jesus. You'll like it. You'll like him. You'll get life. Praise God. And so he said it'll be like a well of water springing up on the inside of you, and it'll be there. Whether you're conscious of it or not, it's there. Eternal life is on the inside of you, whether you're aware or conscious of it. So God really wants us to be conscious of it. And the scripture says, with joy... We draw water out of the wells of salvation. So there's a well on the inside of you. And if you'll just say, good morning. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Or if you'll get up in the morning and say, praise the Lord. Praise God. God is good. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Father God, for this day. Thank you, Father, that you gave me breath today, that I'm alive today. You've kept me alive. I'm healthy today. I'm blessed today. Thank you, Father. Praise God. What happens, you start getting conscious of that life on the inside of you. Praise God. It's a well of life, and it'll start springing up more. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, what was Jesus doing? Of course, he's offering her life, but he's breaking down. And the primary uh, focus here is that he's breaking down barriers. 
He showed love and respect for her, right? And she would not have generally been used to that coming from a Jew. He broke down the traditional religious, racial, social, and gender barriers of prejudice that existed. He did that by just talking to her, sharing with her, being kind to her, being respectful. It's amazing how far a little kindness goes. Hallelujah. So the love of God should be expressed to people. That's part of why you're here, is to express the love of God to somebody every day. Pray, God, send us across people's paths today, somebody's path. Praise the Lord that I can share the love of God, the gospel. Amen? Praise God. Well, then we have this story that we shared a little bit with you about uh, Cornelius and also um, Peter. Well, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Jesus said, go, wait for the promise of the Father in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And so they were tearing, they were waiting, they were praying, spending time praying and being in the presence of God, and the Holy Ghost fell on them. They all began to speak in other tongues, supernaturally, and languages they couldn't speak in naturally. And so they got so happy about it, they started going out in the street. And when they went out in the street, people were thinking they're drunk. They were so full of the Holy Spirit that people thought they were literally drunk. So Peter's got an open door. He uses that as his opening to his sermon. Uh, These are not drunk, as you suppose. So he stands up and he starts speaking. Well, you know, you can witness to an individual, but in this case, he's speaking to a crowd of people. And so he begins to preach. And he said, these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing as but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Hallelujah to Jesus. This is that. And so you're seeing, you're seeing and hearing right now what the prophet Joel prophesied. And they heard them speak in their own language. And there were many people from different uh, nations. And it's listed right there in the book of Acts, in Acts 2. And they heard them speak in their tongue the wonderful works of God. So when you're speaking in tongues, part of what you're doing is you're speaking the wonderful works of God. You're praising God, magnifying God. All right, so they heard them speak in their their own language. So this is pretty convincing that there's something supernatural going on. And so Peter is preaching the gospel and 3,000 people got saved. And if you read from all those nations, it says they were Jews, devout men and women. So he's preaching primarily to Jews. 
And Jews get saved. 3,000 Jews get saved. Well, then for the next approximately nine to 10 years, there's no Gentiles getting saved. Why? Because they believe that the gospel was for them. And they received the gospel, the Jews, and they didn't tell the Gentiles. They didn't go preach to the Gentiles. So then Peter is up on the rooftop and he was, he was praying, but he was also hungry they were, and they were fixing food or preparing a meal of food for, for him and whoever else was there. And while he was up there praying, he fell into a trance and he saw a great sheet let down from heaven and there were four-footed beasts in there, in that sheet, and it came down to him. And he said, Lord, I haven't ever eaten anything common or unclean. Well, then Jesus speaks back to him and says, don't, what I have cleansed, don't call common or unclean. Now, in Peter's mind, first he's probably thinking he's talking about eating meat that is forbidden to the Jewish people under the law. So, okay. So he doesn't fully probably get what the point is. There's no clarity as far as we can see in Scripture that he understood fully what Jesus was trying to get to him. Maybe he did. But he said, Jesus said, there are men that are here seeking you. Go with them, doubting nothing. So he just had to take one step of faith and just go. He didn't even know where he's going. So he goes to a Gentile's house named Cornelius, who had been a man of prayer, a religious man in the sense of he, a spiritual man in some sense. He was praying and he was given alms. He was a wealthy man and he gave uh, significantly his, because it says that his uh, prayers and his alms went up as a memorial before God. And God saw his desire and his hunger, and God sent an angel, and the angel said to him, now you go, you send for Peter, or send for Simon, who's at Simon's house, the tanner, and Peter's surname, or Simon's surname is Peter, so you go send for Peter, and he's going to come and tell you in your house words whereby you may be saved. The angel didn't bring the word for salvation. That's not their job. No. You go send for Peter, and Peter will come. And so, now, Peter obeys what the Holy Spirit said to him, or Jesus said to him, and he goes with them to Cornelius' house. Or if he didn't know before he got there, he found out real quick when he got there. This is a house full of Gentiles, right? So when he gets there, one of the first things he says is he said unto them in verse 28 of chapter 10, he said, you know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. 
So you know that it's, it, it, they know this. this. They've been living in this society. They uh, don't mix. They don't uh, relate together. There's this barrier, right? But Jesus, if Jesus breaks it down, it needs to be broken down. And Jesus broke it down. Hallelujah. So now, he says, you know that, but God has showed me not to call any man common or unclean. So that means any man, anywhere, anytime, in the world, wherever they may be, there's no man common or unclean. God has a plan for every man. Redemption was for everyone. God did not exclude anyone. I said God did not exclude anyone. Redemption is for everyone. And so redemption is an absolute reconciliation of humanity to God. Hallelujah. All right, so we're going to skip down to verse 34. It said, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with God, with him, that the word, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Hallelujah. So now he's saying the gospel that was, has come to the Jews or to Israel, the children of Israel, he says, Preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That's basically what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth and you shall be saved. And so now he's preaching the gospel because God is no respecter of persons. God is crossing that boundary, it just took them about nine years or so to figure out, not really figure out, to get the vision. (laughs) They weren't figuring it out, so God gave them supernatural intervention so that they would get it. So they go preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And then, of course, Peter was kind of called in question before the apostles And he told them the story, and they uh, believed it. Praise the Lord. He told them the Holy Ghost fell on them just like he did on us at the beginning. So who who am I that I could withstand God? God did it. I I just did what he said. Praise the Lord. So then, I'm gonna bring you to Acts chapter 17, another story, and this is the Apostle Paul preaching the gospel. And Paul uses a circumstance or something uh, that he sees to really open it up. And so when you're witnessing to somebody, it's sometimes helpful if you have something to kind of open up the conversation. Praise the Lord. I mean, when my wife and I were in Texas, Carlos was uh, behind the counter, so I just started talking to Carlos about his life. Well, I could tell his English not so good. I said, how long have you been in the States? Five years. 
where you're from, you know? And uh, so uh, just having conversation. And then I gave him a track and asked him if he had ever confessed Jesus as Lord. And he said, not yet. And I said, okay, today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. Right now is accepted time. I said, I can pray with you right now. And he said, okay. We prayed with him, got saved. Praise the Lord. He was ripe. He was like, all he needed somebody to tell him just a little bit of the, a little bit. Just tell him what to do. How to get saved. Praise God. Well, sometimes I use, you know, I got to know him a little bit, so I opened the door. My wife and I have horses, so we ride around the arena, not too far from our house. Not often. I mean, we don't ride as much as we should, so uh, anyway. So... We're riding around, and there's a, most every time there's somebody bringing their kids up to the uh, see the horses. So we just often I'll just stop and just because the kids like to pet the horses, and so they're the adults, and so they don't know who I am, don't really care who I am. They want to see the horse. So and so my horse. Let them pet the horse, talk to them a little bit, give them a track, sometimes able to pray with them to get saved, or sometimes just leave it at that. But you use the example. Here, Paul, I mean, when I, or, or just your circumstance. What kind of circumstance are you in? What can you use? How can you open the door? How can you talk to somebody? Praise the Lord. Now, Next Saturday, we're going to go out and witness. Where are you going? A park. So you go up and start talking to them and open up the conversation. And they're pretty, you know, assertive. And as far as the way they witness, they don't. Uh, they go and let them know pretty much what they're talking about. They're there for. And so that's good. Praise God. They get people saved. Last time they did it, 18 people got saved. Well, that's wonderful, isn't it? Well, here Paul is going to start this sermon. He's preaching to a group of people. Then Paul, we're in uh, Acts 17, verse 22. Acts 17, 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. Well, he's pretty, like, up front, right? Uh, you're too superstitious. <laughs> it's not like how to, how to uh, win friends. Tell them they're superstitious. You just go up to them and say, you're too superstitious. Well, it's not like winning friends uh, technique here. But it's a confrontation because he's going to uh, share something with them. For as I passed by, I beheld your devotions. I found an altar with an inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship. Him, 
declare I unto you. I'm declaring to you today this unknown God that you worship ignorantly. Well, he's unknown to them, but he's known to him. Right? When we were, many years ago, we went to Israel, been to Israel many times, but we went over to Jordan. Jordan, there's this place called Petra, and it's like a, a long cavern, and many people have hid out in there to uh, protect themselves, and there were uh, a lot of caves and stuff and so forth. But you could see bullets, you know, bullet, bullets had hit the rock. They had fighting back in there. And so, anyway, there was one spot where it says, to the unknown God. Had a little statue that said, to the unknown God. So, it's around, it's out there. Some people believe in many, 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 many gods, all kinds of gods. Praise the Lord. But we know from Scripture there is one true and living God. Hallelujah. One God and Father of all, one Lord Jesus Christ, one faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. One Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's a good teaching. All right? Well, then, he keeps on talking to him. I'm going to declare unto you this God. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Because usually they'd make a God out of something. But he... This God that created the world and everything in it, seeing he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. So he's telling them this God, this living true God is a God that made the world, that made everything. He doesn't need you to make him a statue. He's the one that gives you life. He's the one that gives you breath. And all things, everything comes from him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. In other words, God is God. He's the creator, so everything in this earth is really the Lord's. Hallelujah. He's going he's to have a restart one time, one day. He's going to let this thing melt away, melt up. This fire is going to burn up, melt with fervent heat. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth because this one's just been messed with too much. So he's going to start over. Praise the Lord. All right, so God is the creator. The true and living God is the creator of all things. He's the one that gives you breath. I heard this on um, Joel Osteen's program one time when I was watching the worship team, worship, have great worship, and, and this lady was, uh, she talked about, she said it in Hebrew, and then she told what it meant. And I don't have the Hebrew, I'm just uh, telling you what she said. 
All right, so she said that this Hebrew meant that every time you breathe, you praise the Lord. So it goes along with scripture says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So God is the one. He says, gives you breath. And if you have breath, then when you breathe, you praise the Lord. Hallelujah to Jesus. So the first thing when a baby is born is not, uh, Johnny, uh, could you tell me what you think about being here? Well, the first thing you want Johnny to do is not talk. You want Johnny to breathe, right? And the last thing a person does before they die is breathe. They take their last breath. And while they're here in that span of time, Life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while, then it vanishes away. And in that span of time, while they're breathing, they're praising the Lord. They may not know it, but according to what she said in the Hebrew, every time somebody breathes, they're praising the Lord. So God's going to have some praising. Praise God. But he would like to hear it. Praise the Lord. He he would like, (laughs) because he tells us in Scripture to shout unto God with a voice of triumph hallelujah he tells us to praise the lord he tells us to shout hallelujahs he tells us to raise our hands he tells us to to play instruments with a loud noise praise god he he tells us to get noisy about our praise amen he so he doesn't want us always to be breathing and that's the limitation of your praise amen he wants us to vocal our vocalize our praise Now, in the morning, you'll hear my voice, David said. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. So God wants us to lift our voice and praise him. Let our praise be known. Praise God. And sometimes somebody else is in the house. It's okay. Let them get used to your praise. Hallelujah. So praise is comely, the scripture says, to the upright. So God wants you to praise him. So Paul said... God's the one that gave you breath. And if made of one blood of all nations, of men who dwell for to dwell on the face of the earth and have determined the times before appointed and bounds of their habitation. Hallelujah. He's made of all nations, one blood. Now we have all different nationalities here in uh, Las Vegas, a very international in one cent city, right? We all bleed the same. If they need blood at the blood bank, and they do, they always would love for people to stop by. Stick a needle in, draw your blood, have that available, right? For somebody that may need it in the hospital. Well, they don't say, they're no respecter of persons. I mean, they don't say, well, you're African American or you're, or you're Caucasian or you're, or you're from Germany. Or you're, you're from, where, where are you from, Kenya? No, they don't care. Ah, the same blood. God made us all of one blood. Hallelujah. 
Now, there's different blood types, but different nationalities have the different blood types. God made of one blood all nations. In other words, God created us all the same. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So he is no respecter of persons. Thank you, Jesus. Then he says, and they that seek the Lord, if happily, they might feel after him and find him, though they be not far from him, every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said. So he's drawn from their poets. We are also, are also his offspring. Well, in one sense, we are all. I mean, even if you're not born again, you are the offspring of God. You were created of God. Do you understand? But God created Adam as his offspring. And then Adam fell and fell into sin, and then we needed a redeemer. But Paul is relating to them to help them to come to an acknowledgement that God is God, the true and living God. For as much sin as you, we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver. So they're making gold statues and silver statues and, or stone or graven by art of man's hand. At the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth men everywhere to repent. So he says, now... God has let this go. He's winked at this. But now God is commanding every man, every, every person to repent, to be saved, to come to the knowledge of Jesus. Hallelujah. So God has a plan of redemption that we're going to look at a little bit now. If you'll look with me to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, this is Apostle Paul's, some of his writings by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We're going to begin with verse 11. It says, wherefore, remember. Now, remember, first of all, as basically Jew and Gentile. So if you're a Jew, you're not a Gentile. If you're a Gentile, you're not a Jew. If you're a Gentile, then you could be a Gentile all over the world. In other words, anybody other than a Jew is Gentile. So in any nation of the world, any people group of the world, they're Gentiles. Praise God. All right, we're going to look here in verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called, notice he said, in the flesh, and are called uncircumcision by the, that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. You had no covenant, having no hope, and without God in the world. Now, the Jews at least had a covenant with God, right? Abrahamic covenant. But now... He says, you were without a covenant. You had no hope. 
You were without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You who were sometimes afar off are made near by the blood of Jesus. So we all come the same way through the blood of Christ. Hallelujah to Jesus. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So the partition that was between the Jew and the Gentile, Jesus Christ through his cross has broken down this wall. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law and commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man. So... So Jesus has abolished in his cross, in his flesh, the enmity that was there, even the law and the commandments. So he's done away with the law and the commandments and the ordinances. For to make in himself of twain two, one new man. So Jesus has broken down all the law, the enmity, broken it down, broken down the wall of partition, And he says, and that he might reconcile both Jew and Gentile unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. So through the cross, he has slain the enmity, the division, or the uh, wall of partition. The law itself has been deleted. Praise God. In other words, you don't come to God by the law. You come to God through Jesus Christ. You come through the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not under the law. I said deleted. Don't don't mean that, praise God, that the law is not not part of the scripture. So we're not going on a limb out here and falling off. But we're talking about as far as you, you don't have to live under the law. Praise God. You're in Christ Jesus. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So both Jew and Gentile have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. We come by the blood of Jesus. There's no other way. There's one way to come. That is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through the blood of Christ, we come to the Father and we have a relationship with God. We've been reconciled by his death on the cross. We've been restored to a place of relationship with God. And we have access to the Father through Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Now, therefore, that we are no more strangers we're no more foreigners, We're no, but we are what? Fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We're all of the household of God. Anybody that's born again is in the household of God. You're fellow citizens with the saints. You are citizens with the saints, but you're literally a citizen of heaven. 
Hallelujah to Jesus. I said, you're literally a citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. Your citizenship is in heaven. You're really not of this world. Praise God. You're in this world, but you are not of this world. You've been born from above. You've been born of God. You've been born of the Spirit of God. You've been, uh, be, been bought with a price, and you belong to God, and you're a child of God. You're children of God. We are children of the Most High. Praise God. And he calls us his children by, because of his love by the cross of Christ and the blood. Hallelujah. God has loved us us and he's purchased us and he's bought us and we are children of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be but we sh when we see him we shall be like him I said when we see him we shall be like him praise God so God really wants us to down here in this earth see one another as potential, if you're, if you're not saved, as a potential citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. As a potential child of God. Glory to God. See each other as children of God and treat one another as such. Hallelujah. That there's no prejudice. We break down the barriers because people created all kinds of barriers in our world, but we need to let go of those, those laws or those family laws or those church laws or whatever uh, law people have established or, or thoughts or ideas or philosophies of the way things should be. Hallelujah. God has a plan, hallelujah, that is bigger than all of that. Amen. And is actually better than all of that. Hallelujah. It's loving everybody, loving anyone and loving one another. Hallelujah. But loving the world and not calling them common and unclean, but say God has a plan for their life and we're going to help bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're going to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to preach Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. We're going to preach Jesus, the risen Savior. We're going to preach Jesus, the one who died on the cross. We're going to preach Jesus, the blood that he shed. We're going to preach Jesus, preach the whole gospel of God. 